Hello, everyone. Good morning and good evening, and thank you for being with me, especially to those who are getting up in the middle of the night or staying up late. I'm glad you made the journey. Um, I'm going to talk about experiencing knowledge this morning, and I'd like to begin by asking you, all of you, um, if you feel that you know you need to be here. And I'm going to look at the screen. I can't see everyone, but if you feel like you know you need to be here, I want you to raise your hand, either hand. Great. So you're experiencing knowledge. This is what it's like. Now, how many of you are experiencing, you feel you know you need to be here, but you're not sure you can trust that? Any hands? You can all really trust that. Okay, good. It's great. <clears throat> trust comes with through association. You need to have enough experience with knowledge to know how it feels and to know that you can trust it because of its demonstration in your life. So at some point, it may ask you to do something irrational or unreasonable, and um, that'll be a real test. Because as long as it's in your framework of reasonable, okay, I can trust knowledge within my framework of it being reasonable, what it's requesting. But if it requests something unreasonable, then your trust now has to go to a different level and will be tested. It won't be tested merely to test you. It will be tested because there's something perhaps important for you to do um, that's outside your comfort zone and will require a real change. Uh, and my training was much more radical than yours probably will be, but at one point, I was instructed to take my to leave San Francisco, where I was at the time in the Bay Area, and go to this remote place and take my young family with me. No explanation. Just go to this remote place. Then after being there a few months, I was instructed to go to another remote place up in the mountains, hundreds of miles away, take my little family, pack up everything, and go there. That's unreasonable. But because I did that, important things happened for me. In my not only in my education that I had in these places, but in my development. And also I was demonstrating to those who were preparing me that I was capable of doing, capable and willing and able to do things that go beyond the realm of being reasonable or rational or being fair. And I would be tested in this way in many different ways over the years. So in your own way, you'll have some tests, but they'll be purposeful. They'll just be things that challenge your notion of trust. Should I really do this? You can experience knowledge and have great trust or anxiety about whether you should follow what it's directing you to do or if it's holding you back from something, if you really are going to hold yourself back. So all those are moments of being tested because you need the test to find out whether you're going to be strong or weak in a situation, and also to realize what may be standing in your way 
of being able to respond to knowledge because if you can't follow knowledge, responding to knowledge doesn't really mean anything. <clears throat> so, and it proves to those who may be watching over you that you're a person who can be trusted, who can carry on certain actions, even if they seem unreasonable or unjustifiable in the moment. You have to prove your trustworthiness and how much are you in control of yourself? Are you only in control of yourself as long as things are going comfortably or if things get rocky or you need to do something difficult, is that where you don't have control of yourself anymore? Uh, you're overtaken by your emotions, your fears, the opinions of others. All of a sudden, you're off balance and you don't know what to do. So all this preparation isn't merely about receiving knowledge. It is about following knowledge and carrying through the things that knowledge has given you to do, some of which may be immediate, some of them may be long range. For example, an idea may be planted in you to prepare for an event 10 years from now. It has no relevance to your life right now. But in all cases, you should write it down, date and place. Write it down. You don't know what it means. Maybe it means nothing. But write it down. You should have a place where you write down everything that looks like guidance. And to make this easier for you, uh, generally, knowledge, if it does speak to you in words, will probably do so in seven words or less. It's been my experience. No explanations, no beautiful spiritual pronouncements. That's probably you. <laughs> do this, don't do that. Go here, don't go here. And we'll talk about how knowledge communicates uh, both uniquely to us and how it communicates in general. So with that, I'm going to ask Reed to post our first slide for us. It's going to prepare us for our time together. This is from Wisdom from the Greater Community, Volume 1, the teaching on freedom. The compelling force of knowledge is so strong that it overrides anything the world can set in its way. This level of commitment is the greatest demonstration of God. It is powerful, unending, and compassionate. It has vitality. It is driven from something beyond this world. It is an uncommon, relentless force. It does not care about costs and obstacles. It cares about practical functioning. People with knowledge will be uncommon and potent. They will not be alone unless by choice. Now, this quote is really something to hang out with. We don't have time to spend a lot of time with it today, but this, is, this thing is loaded with insight. So, And the next one is very, very short. Comes from Steps to Knowledge, Step 2. Knowledge is with me, where am I? And the title is the teaching. Knowledge is with me, where am I? When you start, or where you may be now, you would say, I'm with me, where is knowledge? <laughs> knowledge is with me, where am I? 
So the main focus here is not where knowledge is, it's where you are. What, do, what kind of reality are you living in? That you can't experience something that's the center of your being. That's so close to you, you could never lose it. That holds for you your purpose, meaning, and direction in life, and the recognition of all those relationships of consequence that you may have in the future. So steps to knowledge begins with this, because this is the problem. The problem is knowledge is, I can't find knowledge. That's not the problem. The problem is you don't know where you are. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know why you're doing what you're doing. You don't know how to reference whether that's the correct thing or not yet. You're learning, but not yet. So this establishes the whole problem that steps to knowledge sets out to correct. Gauging your personal mind, with a deeper mind of knowledge within you. I have to speak today about knowledge in mysterious terms because it represents the unseen and eternal part of you. The unseen and eternal part. What part of you is eternal? Do you look at yourself? Think of yourself? Your body certainly isn't. Your thoughts certainly are not. What about you is timeless? Nothing you can think of. Nothing you can touch. Knowledge works behind the scenes of your life to guide you to discover your greater purpose and relationships in life. Behind the scenes. Because you're on the surface up in the world, engaging with the world. Knowledge is connected to your source and God's work in the world and the universe. Big. Way beyond what their eyes can see, what we can touch, sense. So you're dealing with this mysterious, ephemeral, eternal part of yourself. And in this, you have two minds. I'm going to share this wisdom with you because I think it's really important for you to have this. And the new message does teach this, but over the course of many different revelations. So I'm going to synthesize some of these things for you today. You live with two minds. You have your intellect and your personality, which is pretty much the same. And then you have knowledge. Two minds, not one mind with two parts, not one mind with two levels. These are two minds. Your intellect is a temporary mind. Knowledge is a permanent mind. Your intellect thinks, knowledge knows. Your intellect is willful, weak, insecure, fearful, and easily manipulated. Knowledge is certain, strong, secure, fearless, and beyond manipulation. Your intellect is who you have become in the world. Knowledge is who you are beyond the world. So either you're a human being trying to be spiritual, or you're a spiritual being trying to be human.
So since we spend the vast majority of our time in consciousness at the surface, in our intellect and personality, knowledge seems to be a still small voice and hidden somewhere beneath the cacophony of our minds and the cacophony of the world, the noise and all the artifact of the world. So the true alignment that you're seeking to achieve is that your body serves your mind and your mind serves knowledge. This is the reverse of where you started. Where you started was your mind serves your body and you expect knowledge to serve your mind. To completely shift this order of authority within yourself, order of reference is your spiritual journey in part. It's a long process. But it's as much a process of remembrance as it is a process of development. Clear away that which is not who you truly are, and you can begin to feel, know, and remember things about who you are. Who you really are is invisible, eternal, represented by knowledge. But at the beginning, we treat knowledge as a divine gift to you. God has given you knowledge to guide and protect you in this world. <clears throat> so it looks like it's a bestowal from God upon you. But as you progress, you begin to recognize that knowledge is more really the center of who you are. And who you are is not an individual or a person or a personality. And it's above and beyond all of your the things you identify with, your nationality, religion, race, ideology, religion, I said religion, all those things. So to go towards knowledge is to enter the mystery of who you are, and the intellect can only go so far. What steps to knowledge does is it works in two different ways that I've recognized. Maybe it works in more ways that I haven't recognized, but... First, it begins to orient your personal mind to how knowledge thinks or to knowledge itself. So there could be more resonance here. If you're not thinking in line with knowledge, then knowledge seems to be either non-existent or something you can't relate to or are afraid of. Um, but it's also to stir knowledge within you. So it can become stronger. So here your intellect and personality become less dominating of your, in your experience and more seen in relationship with knowledge and more in service to knowledge as you proceed. Because in the true alignment, the mind serves knowledge, not the other way around. So that means all your requests of knowledge, tell me what I have to do, should I do this, should I do that, seem to go unheeded because they're not authentic questions yet. They're not important questions. And in most cases, you're not willing to act anyway. You just want to see what knowledge has to say. So knowledge being more intelligent than you are uh, will obviously remain still quiet. I'm not getting anything from knowledge, I hear people say. Well, you're not asking real questions. And the real questions are things 
you need to know and are ready to do something about. Ah. That's a flag that goes up, a readiness flag. So there's a slide here about experiencing knowledge that shows this dichotomy. Good. Experiencing knowledge, it is mysterious, but it got you here and can keep you here. It seems hard to find, but it gives you certainty and direction when you are ready to move. It is quiet, but it directs you and makes you strong. It is unseen, but it gives you the eyes to see. So how could something invisible, barely discernible, have such power? had several students say, you know, I just, I'm just not connecting with this knowledge thing. And I say, well, knowledge got you here. How'd you get here? What were the turns in your road? You should go back and look at how you got here. If you really want to see how knowledge is working in your life. Because if you're here only because of interest or curiosity, or you're seeking power, or you think, you're going to be somebody special by being associated with me. Oh, I'm going to try to discourage you. I'm not going to encourage you. And your incentive will run out, whereas knowledge does not run out. Which is one way to tell knowledge from something else. Knowledge is consistent. And we're going to talk about that below and do some work around that. So knowledge is more of a force, like a river of intention, like a power. Not just there to answer your questions, which are often half-hearted and insincere. It's a force pulling, holding you back, pushing you forward. It's not part of an intellectual back and forth. It's not going to get in the courtroom of your mind and, you know, argue on your behalf, <laughs> it's just going to be a force. And um, it's waiting to move, to move you, because the world is moving now dramatically. And if we don't move with it, we're going to be in trouble, every one of us. Knowledge represents your real needs, not your interests or curiosity real needs. Where do I need to be? What do I need to be doing? Who should I associate with? What should I study? How to manage my mind? How to manage my affairs? How to keep myself out of trouble? Those are real needs. If you're on a journey, those are real needs. If you're not going anywhere, then your real needs are just anything you think to be real. So this takes us to the three stages of knowing, and this is very important. Three stages of knowing, so you have an experience of some kind that seems important, perhaps it's a direction, perhaps it's an insight, but it seems 
meaningful and something that you have to act upon. Then there's taking the time to be with that experience, to walk around it, not judge it, not try to say what it is, not try to catalog it in your mind. Just be with it. Sometimes you have to be with it for a short period of time if it has to do with an immediate decision. But you need to be with it. You need to see how you feel about it. And I always want to, you can write this down, very important to write this down. What is this experience and what does it seem to be telling me? <clears throat> and then write how you feel about it, what you like about it, what worries you about it, what you're concerned with, what you think it could mean, what you don't understand. And as you do this, you will begin to see if this has a more solid feeling. We're talking about over days, weeks, even months, if you have time. Does it have a more solid feeling? Or does it begin to fade away? Because things of the mind only don't last, they fade away. You're inconsistent. And at some point, if action's required, and it probably will be at some point, whether it be immediate or in the future, you have to be prepared to take that action. If you don't take that action, then the knowledge experience was never completed. It's by taking the action that knowledge takes you somewhere and reveals itself to you. The action may be simple or really difficult. In fact, the difficult ones have the biggest rewards, but they're the hardest to take. To learn more about this, there's a teaching called Seeing, Knowing, and Taking Action. It's on the New Message site under the um, teachings. It's really worth reading and understanding. A lot of people have experiences, but they never stay with it. They either dismiss it or they, they say, well, this is what it means. So they lose it. Some people will stay with it, but then they never act. And so it ceases to have forward motion in their life. And then that's it. And they'll reflect upon this in the future. So a beautiful thing called a truer list. This is something Patricia has created. Um, I think very useful here. When you have an experience like this, and you recognize that this is an experience, I don't know what it means, but it seems important. Certainly is not how I usually think. Something may be there, but we don't know yet. Don't call it knowledge yet. You don't know yet. Probably. You put it on your truer list, and there it is, in the list of things that have come to you, and you look at them over days or weeks to see, do they become stronger or as strong, or do they begin to dissipate? Thoughts and feelings or things you think you should do or somebody told you to do, those things will dissipate. The thing that lasts, well, as all that stuff is eroded away, are the things that really will probably be significant. And it's, then you have to ask, what must I do? Is this actionable now? Some things are not. Some things are given to you to be in your mind that you're going to need 10 years from now. And you need to have those preserved. 
Knowledge works both within time and beyond time. So this is being really um, responsible with your insights. Otherwise, you either call them good or you forget them or they never happen and you never do anything with them. So the true realist is, is valuable. If actions needed immediately, then, well, if actions really need immediately, then you got to get out of the way of the bus. <laughs> but if you have a little bit of time, you only have a little bit of time to be with the experience. And then you're going to have to act on it or not act on it. This is very functional. I am more interested in what you do as a result of knowledge than your experience of knowledge, which is usually not very grand, like the example we had at the beginning of our time together. I asked you, do you feel you know to be here? Many hands went up. Is that grand? Is that ultra-spiritual? Is that sensational? No. It's fundamental. It's natural. It's simple. It's interesting that for most people, their first experience of knowledge is restraint. Knowledge trying to hold them back from giving their life either to dangerous activities or to people, places, and things that do not represent their destiny. That's when you walk down the aisle on your wedding day, but your heart is not really in it, or you have grave concerns. But you're doing it because everybody's there, and you're supposed to be there, and everybody gets nervous in a wedding. Any nodding heads to that? I don't see nodding heads. Okay. So restraint is very important. And even as you become a student of knowledge, knowledge will exercise this restraint with you, perhaps even more powerfully since you're more aware of it. And you're building over time through steps to knowledge and through your studenthood, you're building a channel through which knowledge can communicate with you. You're becoming more open to its presence. You have more ways to discern its presence. You need its presence, its direction. And... Um, so these feelings of restraint can be much more powerful. And you should honor that restraint. Don't go down that road. Don't go into that activity. Don't go with those people. Stay out of that situation. Don't go to this place. And you may have no reasonable explanation for this, but it's still really important that you honor it. The world's going to become more hazardous instead of less as we go forward. So this restraint is really important. Knowledge is, part of knowledge's role is to be your navigator and guide. But if your life isn't moving and you're not moving, there's nothing to navigate. It's not navigating your thoughts, not navigating your feelings, not navigating your emotions. Is navigating what you do. That's what a navigator does. It guides something is moving. Now, so don't don't stay home and do nothing and try to think 
gain access to knowledge because you're not doing anything yet. Here, the list, you tell yourself, I know I need to do this. I know I should do that. Make a list. Put it on a truer list. What of those shoulds really is real? Rather than, well, I just should, but I probably never will. Yeah. But should like, well, I got to do that. Put it in front of you. I don't think you get any clarity trying to deal with the subjective world of your surface mind. It's way too full of artifacts and influence. I put things in front of me and look at them. I'm visual in that way. Or you can record yourself talking about a problem and just see what you hear in that is true or not. Like you're listening to another person. Now, I mentioned the navigator role, but if you can't move in your life because of age, circumstance, or illness, then knowledge is going to direct you to support an important cause or important person who is moving with knowledge. And that's very real, too. Then you become involved with the work of knowledge then your relationship with knowledge grows, then you become part of something bigger than yourself over time, and your engagement becomes real. So, have no firm or fixed beliefs about what knowledge is. Have working assumptions. Holds true with many things, actually. But with knowledge, <clears throat> have no firm or fixed beliefs. Have no adamant beliefs, certainly. Because as you develop, your experience and understanding of knowledge will grow. It'll change. So what you told yourself five years ago, or how you explain that to yourself, now you use different words. You give a different explanation. It's like climbing the mountain. Your description of the mountain and your landscape obviously changes and dramatically changes once you get above the timberline and you can actually see things without the hindrance of the forest around you, which is like a great, it's a great um, example. You know, if your thoughts are like the forest, you can't see through them. Once you get above the forest, the trees, then you can see the panorama. There it is. It spreads out before you. So I'm going to do a little process with you, a little ex little exercise. So you're all alone now, right? And you're with, each or maybe you're with someone else. But this is something I want you to really go within yourself and consider something. So take a few minutes and just get yourself comfortable and set up where you can do that. Good. This is about recalling a time when you knew something. A very simple exercise. 
Remember a time you knew something and you followed it. Remember what happened and what was the result. You can write this down too, which would be helpful. Remember a time you knew something and you followed it, what was the result? Just write it down. Just simply write it down. The memory will come back to you. Okay, we're going to go on to the second part of this. Remember a time you knew something and you did not follow it. Remember what happened and what was the result. Remember a time you knew something and you did not follow it. What happened and what was the result? I want you to keep this for yourself. I want you to think about it. You don't need to share it with anyone immediately, and certainly not with anyone who's not a student of the Revelation. I wouldn't recommend that. Or unless somebody's a serious spiritual student of any tradition. This is where you find out how knowledge speaks to you, and also why you do follow it and why you do not. Under what circumstances would you follow this? Under what circumstances would you hesitate or decline to follow it? This is self-examination now. This is really important way of dealing with the mysterious. Is you have to deal with your approach to it. Remember, step two and steps to knowledge. Knowledge is with me. Where am I? <laughs> the work is, where am I? Why do I do what I do? Am I conscious of what I do? Am I conscious of why I say yes or why I say no? This is getting empirical and strategic with your steps practice. Revisiting your benchmark experiences or even little tiny experiences of knowledge in your life are very important for you to understand that how knowledge works in your life, how you experience it, and what your tendencies are regarding it. It's not about grabbing insights out of the atmosphere. I mean, it's, this is about doing the on-the-ground work so that you can see how knowledge is trying to work with you, and you can see your own states of mind regarding it.
How flexible is your life? How open are you to change? How willing are you to do things that are out of character for you or feel seem difficult? So this brings me up to another thing I'd like to speak about, and that's your study of steps to knowledge. I recommend that every step you do, you write out your experience with the steps said to you and your experience of practicing it. Whether that experience was, whether you thought it was good or bad. When you showed up, when you didn't show up. What you did, what you didn't. I want you to do this work. You just don't blindly go through the steps. So my step today is such and such. And yeah, I tried to do a practice and you go on to the next one. No, I want every one of these things to be part of you logging your journey. So when you get to the reviews and steps to knowledge, you actually have something to review. Otherwise, you really have nothing to review except reading the step over again, which isn't really helpful. I want you to know about you as a student and I want you to really think about what this step may be telling you. And there's another reason I want you to do this. And that is, <clears throat> if you do steps to knowledge a second time, you will go back, you'll do the same thing over again. You, you'll do, it all goes in a journal or some kind of secure place where you do these writings. Um, you'll go back and write out your experience, and then you can look back a year or two earlier when you did that step to see the difference in what you see and what you do. Because this becomes a measure of your progress. Subjectively, you cannot measure your progress. You'll get down the road and you'll say, I'll be doing this for years, and I don't know if I'm getting anywhere. Go back and look. Have a reference point. Don't be fuzzy about this. Steps knowledge is training your mind to think in alignment with knowledge. It's also teaching you to be reliable, consistent, observant, careful. All those things you need to live in the world successfully. You also learn about the journey to an extent that you can share it with others about the journey. We're having difficulty with it, don't understand it, or don't know how to practice. You have to give it this much attention. Are you just kind of gliding through it half, half-heartedly, you know, blindly? I don't want that. Your time is precious. Steps to knowledge is precious. Your engagement is precious. Same with your truer list. Anything that comes to you that seems unusual or significant, write it down and spend time with it and come back to visit it to see if it's still there for you. This is becoming self-aware. You know, so much of our the important things that come to us, we don't log, we don't remember, and so we have to repeat them. 
things to do, not to do, things to remember, even practical things, how to become organized in your own home, how to keep track of your time, how to keep track of your things, how to keep track of your relationships. <laughs> it's a lot. But you have a brain, you can do it. So, so I want to say then, the important thing to do here is to move with knowledge and not try to understand it. Your intellect cannot understand anything that's timeless. You cannot imagine anything that's timeless. Your imagination is built upon your experience of being in physical reality. Um, so it's not about imagination. So understanding comes through relationship and time. You learn how to work with knowledge. You learn how knowledge tends to work with you. You learn how to follow knowledge. You learn how to express knowledge over time. Gradual. You learn to yield to knowledge, and then knowledge will say, no, you're in the driver's seat, you drive. Remain silent, which means you got to deal with it. Knowledge is not there to guide you in every little thing. You have an intellect to enable you to do that. Hopefully some worldly skills to enable you to do that. But knowledge does become more powerful and more evident as you make decisions on its behalf. There's no other way. And decisions means not just decisions, but actions that follow those decisions. You carry them through. Now you're becoming a vehicle for knowledge in the world, and not merely someone who's, you know, wants to stay at home and just have visions or spiritual experiences. Where we've all come from is a place of being. The world is a place of doing. Don't confuse that. I just want to be, okay, we'll be for 10 minutes. Maybe be for an hour. Great. Got a lot to do. And those who sent you in the world are counting on you to do what you came here to do. So I'd like to conclude my part of this with reading um, this beautiful step from God Has Spoken Again. On the teaching on the assembly. I wear my glasses for this. Members of the assembly will attend to certain individuals who are making a greater contribution to the world, but only if the deeper knowledge within those individuals is sending the message, the message the assembly is waiting for and looking for amongst those who live in separation. So you spend some time and read it for yourself.
I, I see so much in this one verse. <laughs> but you know, you'll see more as you continue to take this journey, as there's fewer obstructions in your thinking, fewer distractions in your life, and you just gain some experience. Experience being guided, experience of stumbling along. And I'll share one other thing with you that's very interesting. I you might find this curious, but the more you're following knowledge, the less you will experience it. The more you're following knowledge practically, taking this, doing what you have to do, probably the less you'll experience it. Why? Because it's not in, your state of mind is not in contrast to knowledge as it was before. I personally, I don't experience knowledge very much. Sometimes I feel restrained about something. Okay, don't do that. Oh, don't do that. Eh, don't do that. Um, and sometimes things will come to me to do, like an emphasis. Uh, and some of those things stay with me, which tells me that they're important. And I'm in a better position to understand them, what they actually mean, practically. So this is some wisdom that I've gained in my over 40 years of learning and living the way of knowledge and teaching it to others. Um, <clears throat> this is important stuff, and uh, but you have to think about every one of them. You can't just high spot it and remember it. It's like this is these are message points to take into yourself. So were there questions that came up on their, the Slido? I can look and see if there's a few things I can address. Yeah, Marshall, we're going to take five-minute break here. Give five folks minute break. to add their questions. Okay, we'll add their questions. All right. So I'm going to put the Slido. I'd like to be able to speak to a few of them in the time that I have, but we'll see. We'll see what you have. All right, so here we go. We have uh, 58 questions. Submitted, obviously, more than we can do today. So we'll carry these forward to a session beyond the summit. Um, Marshall, I can read them. I'll read it to you. Um, read me the or, first one. Yeah, I'll, re I'll read right down the list. We'll, we'll just take it question by question. Okay. Um, let's see. We have a question from Tim. How do you differentiate between knowledge and your own thoughts and feelings and or the mental environment? Well, that's a good question, and everybody will have that question at some point, maybe at many points. But the experience of knowledge is deep, it's deeper, it's more physical, and it's more lasting. And um, you'll feel it kind of at a very different part of your body. If it's way up in the top of your head, or if it only evokes an emotion, then that's probably suspect. This is why we have a truer's list. I mean, the things that come to you that seem important and actionable um, goes on this truer list because this is where we get to be with something and walk around something, revisit it frequently. Um, 
and withhold making decisions or conclusions. That's very important. The mind wants to jump to make decisions, conclusions about things it doesn't understand. <laughs> the other thing that's important is that something that's knowledge, you can ask yourself, would I, would I give my heart and soul to this or not? Or is it just stirring me at, a, at an intellectual level or it makes me feel a certain way? Would I give my heart and soul to this? Kind of asking a deeper question of yourself. Yeah, mm, no, or yes. So in learning the way of knowledge is partly learning how to understand your own experience. We have different levels of experience. Things happen at different levels of our awareness. Um, the surface of our mind, deeper down in the deeper part of our surface mind, and then down at a deeper well called knowledge. So you'll have to experiment with this and learn how to review your thoughts. Seeing, knowing, and taking action is a good teaching in the new message that can help you with this. But you have to practice. The thing is that knowledge also will be probably more mysterious. You know, we're directed to do things, but usually without explanation. If what you think has an explanation is attached to it, it's probably not knowledge. So these are just message points for you to utilize because every one of us has to do this kind of work. You know, what's a thought, what's a feeling, and what may be knowledge? <clears throat> so you take those thoughts and feelings that seem very significant to you or very even unusual or significant, and you put them on your truer list. Emotions tend to not last very long or they tend to go somewhere else because motions are often tied to things unrelated to the thing that stimulates them. You know, we're never upset for the reason that we think kind of idea. That's why you go see therapists to help you get in touch with what you're really upset about or really fearful about or angry about or it's not what you think. <laughs> so, but other things have a lasting feeling and a deeper sense to them, but you can only discern this if you spend time with them and do not evaluate them. Just see what they say to you. I'm very interested in the things that you tell yourself. When you talk to other people and you say, you know, I know I need to do this. I need, I need to lose weight or I need to fix this or I need to straighten out my relationship with this person. I'm much more interested in those as signs of knowledge than I am about things that come across, you know, your screen in your own mind. Because knowledge is not flooding your mind with ideas, let me tell you. If you get a real message from knowledge once a month, that's pretty good. So the stream of consciousness, <clears throat> um, that's just a stream of consciousness. If something really stands out that's really like, hmm, i got to spend time with this, put that on your true list. But don't take everything. It's like people evaluating their dreams. I mean, really, give me a break. 
You might have a couple of dreams in your whole life that are revealing. You're wasting your time. Besides, your dreams only really tell you something about your personal self anyway, and that's not what we're really looking at here. Not everything is infused with meaning. Get that. 90% of everything you see and do has no meaning. <laughs> You're looking for the 10%. Don't make everything meaningful. That's just ridiculous. Don't think that everything has a message in it. No. I have time for that. That's silly. Don't think that God is managing your mind. You're managing your mind. You're in the driver's seat. Try not to crash your car, which is your body and your mind. Significant messages and laws. They may be reoccurring. You may be getting the same messages. Don't do, don't do, don't do, or do this, do this, do this. But it's not like knowledge is giving you things to do every day. Life is giving you things to do every day. Just capture those things that seem important and reoccurring and things, I need to look at this. You say to yourself, I need to be with this. Three stages, the experience, being with the experience. I don't mean for a, 10 minutes or a day. I'm talking about you're looking at this thing on your list many, many times, if it's that important. You get a message, I need to change my career, then boy, you better spend a lot of time walking around that one to make sure it's real. And also, are you really willing to do it? Just because the message is true doesn't mean that you're willing to follow it. So, knowledge does not give you immense things to do at the outset unless your life is in some kind of crisis and you have to just literally bail out of your circumstances, which is not true for most people. So, <clears throat> knowledge is not going to give you huge things to do at the outset because you don't have the skill yet to do that. You don't know yourself well enough to do that. So, next question. I know I'm spending a lot of time on this, but it seems to be a pretty foundational. Well, I think you've answered a lot of questions right there. Okay. Um, Knowledge and experience and presence. Presence is just the presence. It's not communication. Knowledge is communication. You can't just say, I just want to be with knowledge. It'd be so nice. No. Knowledge is all about business, which is the reason you're dealing with why you came here. I'm not going to hang out with you. You're ridiculous. <laughs> it doesn't need those kinds of things that you need. But the presence is something you can feel. Like when I said earlier, I don't experience knowledge very much, but I, also, but I do feel the presence fairly regularly. And the presence does feel good. I want you to understand not heaven is not managing your life. All right. God has put knowledge within you to guide you 
not just to keep you out of trouble, not just to help you through the days and the weeks and the months and hard periods, but also to take you where you really need to be. The real purpose of why you're here, which is a process of elimination, eliminating plans, goals, ideals, fantasies. All that stuff has to be gotten out of the picture for you to have a clear view of where you're going. That takes time. We're very attached to some of these things. Romance. I have to find my true mate before I can do anything. That is definitely the cart before the horse, okay? Presence is just the present. Knowledge is a deeper part of you that's attempting to communicate to you about something that's important. Either in the moment or going forward. And it's amazing, when you study the Revelation, there are things in there that will so speak to knowledge within you that it will resonate. You'll see this thing, this passage, this statement, this sentence, and it's just like, wow, it's just, it strikes you, you know? Deeply. Not just as intellectually significant, it's like, just, it strikes you. That's good. That's it's hitting it's hitting home at a deep level. Let's put it that way. Next question, or is there a different question? Uh, yeah, this was actually from me. If we experience knowledge less, the more we move with it. When and how is it important to seek it out to maintain the connection, even as we keep moving in life? How to avoid the risk of drying up, even as we move in the right direction? Uh, well, okay. Well, when I say experience knowledge less, it means you need less correction. It doesn't mean that knowledge is, is gone away. It doesn't mean you don't still need it. And if you're really moving in life, you're coming up against challenges and thresholds. So it's not like, oh, it's all smooth sailing from here, you know, and with knowledge. And no, you're, you're dealing with a great waves world. You're dealing with civil unrest. You're dealing with political drama. You're dealing with economic chaos. I mean, there's lots of things you have to deal with for which you need knowledge. So um, it's just that you, over time, if you're really making progress, need less correction. You've already made the corrections. Or My question, making... Marshall, is how to avoid drying up, how to, how to maintain a connection, even as you move, but may not be experiencing knowledge. Oh, okay. Well, that's practicing stillness, experiencing the presence, letting that fill you, letting that give you energy. I mean, we dry out because we're doing too much or life is wearing us down. But spiritually, if you're practicing stillness, um, you're showing up for engagement with the presence. And knowledge within you, knowledge is the presence within you. God is the presence beyond you. So just to be in the presence of knowledge, that's a being with knowledge. Uh, it's just not a, um, you know, a tea party. I, I feel refreshed when I experience the presence. It's not telling me to do anything. It's not giving me insight. It's not it's just being there because it is there. Okay. Thank you. Room for one or two more. Maybe one more. Okay. This is a question from Steve. 
the revelations state that some people think they are doing terribly and are on the brink of a great discovery, while others are thinking they are doing great and are actually doing terribly. How do we know if we are making any progress in knowledge? Now, that's a good question. Um, progress is happens on two different levels. One is external. You're actually doing something to correct or improve your situation and circumstances, and that obviously engages your relationships with key people in your life. But then there's a shift that happens within you that your, your state of being now is becoming more centered, more grounded, and you're able to create some space in your life to just be reju re renewed and rejuvenated. Um, depths of knowledge teaches stillness, perhaps more than anything else, because it serves many different purposes. One is to build your channel to knowledge, so knowledge can communicate to you and you can actually respond to it. Uh, the other is to give you quiet restoration. Another aspect of this is so that you can experience the presence, the presence of knowledge within yourself, with the well within you, presence of knowledge that we're all living within, which is everywhere and constant. So I think ideologically people think they're making progress, but this is not really about an ideological makeover. This is, or having a great metaphysical understanding. This is really about experience, movement in life, and the quality of relationships that movement engenders. Real work, real people, real events. Um, this is where the work and lives of people really mean something. You can't make this journey intellectually. You can't make it theoretically. Um, people try, but that's not it. Knowledge is seeking to get you in a position where you can see what you need to be doing. It's brought you to the revelation, which is huge. I mean, that in itself is, is a quite a, a remarkable thing when you think of all the things that have, could have taken you out or held you back or kept you from even finding this in the first place. I think it's pretty miraculous that you're all here. And it's a wonderful thing in and of itself. So just keep walking. When you find yourself in hell, keep walking. Just keep moving, taking the steps. You'll have down days. You'll have empty days. You'll have days you feel like this isn't working for me. You'll go dry. But you're just traveling through a landscape, some of which is dry, some of which is rich. It's just the scenery of life, really. Not every day in steps to knowledge is grand and wonderful and refreshing. No. And you're going through stuff in life that's hard. Some of it's really hard. It's going to wear you down. But you return to knowledge, and if you have some good relationships of knowledge in your life, you can return to them. Um, 
the revelation, I mean, I'm involved in the revelation every day. It's, it's the lifeline for me. I don't have to do it every day, but I do it every day because it feeds me. It reminds me. And because I'm on the long journey, I don't have to worry about every possible failure that could happen within me and around me. I'll acknowledge them, I'll see risk, but the long journey is I'm here on a thousand year trek, okay? Both within the world and beyond. So when I look at things like that, then, you know, political drama, even economic turbulence, it's real, it hurts people. I recognize it, I'm not immune to it, but I'm playing in a bigger panorama. And that's why the long game is so much more powerful. So I think I better stop there. These are good questions. Uh, many of them I've thought about a great deal. Some of them I've been asked a great deal. But again, you know, we're looking for experience. We want experience. Having the right idea can help orient you, but it's not, it's not the real thing yet. And I want you to really honor what knowledge has done for you already. It's so good that you didn't marry that girl way back when, right? That would have been a disaster. It's so good that you didn't do that thing you were thinking of doing. You wouldn't be here today. It's so good that you made some wise choices, wise decisions, or pulled yourself out of a bad set of circumstances. Or you probably wouldn't be here today. So your life may seem normal and mundane, but grace is with you. I know because you're here. And there's a lot of people who couldn't make the journey, who probably should have been here. So the blessing is with you. Be with the blessing. The blessing will continue as long as you continue. Nasi Navarikram.